0: Amos chapter 3. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth.
1: Therefore I will
0: punish you for all your iniquities. Very inspiring words, aren't they? Just eager to. To worship when you hear such words strongly spoken. Well, let's, let's try and break it down this morning as the Lord would help us and see if we can't find some truths to apply out of this thought that we us today. Father, we thank you for your holy word. Thank you for the privilege of having the word of God contained in written form, contained in electric, electronic Form, but also your word that can be hidden in our heart. Something that we become so familiar with that it rolls through our mind. And we find it as a guiding light and as a a recourse, a place to turn when we need a word, when we need some comfort, when we need some wisdom, when we need some direction in our life. Whatever the need, we're thankful for your holy word. You have, across the years, created individuals who have been unique from one another. Personalities that are different. And oh, it certainly makes the world go around to experience uh, all of the varieties of personalities and the unique individuals that we are. And yet, Lord, you have... Designed a way and have provided a way whereby the truth can be preached and it's applicable to each of us in our life, in our circumstances, with our unique personality and our unique circumstances that your word can be applied and can be so helpful to us right now. We pray, Lord, that you enable us today to be able to share truths that will light me to us and help us and we'll praise you and thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Amos was from the southern kingdom but his ministry was to the northern kingdom. Isn't that interesting? Coming from one area but his calling and his opportunities and his ministry were to another area. He came from the desolate country south of Bethlehem His hometown, Tekoa, was located on a hill that was about 2,700 feet high. The east side sloped down to the wilderness of Judah. To the southeast, a deep valley ran to the Dead Sea. Amos had two occupations. Both of them were rather humble ones. We heard about one of them this morning. Not a tax collector, but a shepherd. He was a follower of the sheep. The word tells us a follower of sheep, rather fitting, because of how they wandered, and he would follow them and care for them. What a humble, what a humble task it must have been as he protected them, and as he sought food for them, and tried to help them on their daily routines of the sheep. He followed the flock, it tells us over in chapter 7, verse 15. So it indicates to us that he was not a wealthy sheep owner. He wasn't one who owned them. He was one who was hired to watch them. Or maybe volunteered. We don't know exactly. I'm satisfied to believe he didn't fare very well financially. Although he may have been prosperous enough to hire an assistant. We don't know when he went to Bethel. Maybe we'll find out someday when we get to heaven if we're still concerned about it. But he was also, we're told in in verse 14 here,
1: not only a follower of the
0: flock, but he was one who tended or gathered from the sycamore tree, the sycamore fruit. And I thought that's intriguing. I could have studied a little bit more about that.
1: And as I looked
0: in this matter of the gatherer of the sycamore, uh, the explanation was that it was a fruit, maybe like a mulberry. Some of the old timers maybe remember more of the mulberry bushes and the mulberry this that you might have, the fruit that you might have had opportunity. And the unique thing about the, the sycamore fruit was that in order for it to ripen, it needed to be bruised. And so it went through a process, apparently, of of bruising the fruit. He was a gatherer of fruit so he could bruise it so it would become ripened. It was a humble task. It wasn't one that everybody was flocking and yearning to get This is Amos. This describes Amos. Reminds me of another one in scripture that we read of that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. even the death of the cross. None other than our Savior, Jesus Christ, who was willing to do the humble task. Willing to be in the, the background, if you please. One who was willing to do that which maybe nobody else wanted to do. Amos grew up under the discipline of the desert. He developed stern convictions. He was not always one who had a sweet spirit when he was preaching, when he was giving his oracles and ministering to others. He just opened up and let her fly and let the uh, chips fall where they may, as we might say. Amos wasn't one of those guys who seemed to be very gentle in his approach. He just wanted to make sure he told you what thus saith the Lord. And he just would spit it out. And so we read some of that this morning. Not overly worshipful and, and uplifting, but he was faithful. But he was a preacher who skinned you. He was a preacher who really let it happen. He pointed to the certainty of judgment. He knew that there was a day that... Everyone under the sound of his voice was going to have to answer to God. And his personality type was to just really, really let him have it. But as I think about that, I think about the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. You know, they were a privileged nation. A very privileged nation. No nation had ever been blessed more abundantly than the people to whom Amos was speaking. From their beginning, they had been the object of God's revelation and love. God had disciplined His people through natural disasters. He had led them to repentance. God had revealed His righteousness to them by allowing them to conquer the land inhabited by the Canaanite tribes. God's love was reflected in the prophets, even prophets like Amos. God's love was reflected in giving them the prophets who were faithful to preach the word and to guide them and direct them in the way they should go and to issue the words of imminent danger if they didn't do that. That judgment was coming. God chose Israel, not Assyria. Here's Assyria with military might and an amazing, an amazing people, but God didn't choose them. He chose Israel. His ultimate purpose, moreover, was to bring through the people redemption to the world through Jesus Christ. His ultimate goal was that Jesus would come from the line of Judah and that Jesus would come as the Savior of the world. And so Israel's position was one that was highly favored. They had this status and attained it solely by God's grace. Israel did not deserve either this position. They didn't deserve God's unique favor, but God chose this nation. And to be chosen was a great, great privilege. I want to tell us this morning that God is still privileging people today. Aren't you glad? He hasn't given up on me. He hasn't given up on you. He is still privileging us. Hallelujah. We've sensed His presence here this morning. He has come in His own unique way. That is a privilege that is an honor. We're blessed by that and we welcome that. We need that quite frankly. I'm not interested in things that are cut and dried and a routine that's just a routine. We need God. We need his presence. Not something of just an emotional flare, though there's often emotion that comes with it. We need his presence. We're lost without it. There's no hope for us without his presence, he's still privileging us today. We don't deserve it any more than Israel deserved it. But he privileges us throughout the centuries God has in his wisdom and in his sovereignty given special gifts to certain people. A visiting pastor was asked this question by an Arab Christian guide in Israel. He said, why did God choose Isaac instead of Ishmael? He continued, Ishmael was, as far as the Bible indicates, a much more desirable person as far as human attainments go. Surely God would have picked Ishmael, but he didn't. Why did he pick Isaac? He wanted to know from this pastor." The pastor replied, well, why did God choose Jacob instead of Esau? Esau was probably more likable of the two boys. He wasn't the supplanter. Why did God choose Judah instead of Joseph? I mean, Joseph was just one fine guy, but he chose Judah. Then he asked, why did God choose me? The sinner that I was and still unworthy, the individual that I am today. Why did he choose me? The answer to these questions rests in the wisdom and the sovereignty of God. There are times we can get hung up with wondering why. Why me, Lord? Why is this my lot? Why didn't it go this way? And the devil loves when we get so tangled up in that. It's okay to ask why, but it's important that we, we learn and move on. That somehow God helps us to learn from that, to become informed by that or comforted by that, whatever. We don't always get a solution or a a clear answer to our questions but we give it to God. That's the important thing. We've got to give the mystery to Him. Give the problem to Him. Live the surrendered life to Him. Whether things get good or not it's still I'm yours God. As I said a few weeks ago it's an eternal yes. It doesn't matter what the answer is. It doesn't matter what the explanation might be. It is still yes. Why? Because I am privileged. I'm a privileged person. God has been good to me. God has been merciful to me. God has been faithful to me. He's still privileging people today. God chooses to bless some people with unique abilities, doesn't he? Wow, I really enjoyed that flute playing this morning. You didn't want me to play the flute this morning. God blessed her with that ability. And we could go through the crowd and we could think of a multitude of people who have skills and abilities in certain ways. You wouldn't want me laying the brick. You want Steve Meese laying the brick. You don't want me working on your car. You want Larry Watson working on your car. Et cetera, et cetera. God has given people various gifts and various abilities and skills along the way. And sometimes, you know, we might be tempted to say, well, I wish or I wonder why I didn't and on and on. But you know what? We can stop and say... God has given me the skills I have, the abilities I have, and through it all, God is good. God is good, and I'm still surrendered to Him. Now, it's my prayer that God would give us more and more people with skills and with abilities. Not so much for our church. We're blessed with so much. Of course, we're going to need more tomorrow. There's always a future if Jesus tarries. But, you know, there are there's many a church today just wish they had a piano player. There's many a church today just wish they had somebody to teach a class or somebody to attend a class. There are many churches today that are that are struggling and they need they need help. They need people that are that have skills and abilities and ways to apply them. Anointed abilities. Anointed ministry. Those who live in the world today have privileges and opportunities unheard of a century ago. The average American has a much higher standard of living than a wealthy person who lived a half century ago. Modern conveniences, they make life, well, they're supposed to make life easier and make life more comfortable. And all of us, even, though, even those who live modestly, we're really highly privileged We're especially favored. So favored. And each of us bears responsibility because we've been blessed. We've been blessed. And so with blessing comes responsibility. With the gifts that God gives us comes responsibility. With the talents God gives us comes responsibility. But you know what? Also, we're blessed with the whosoever of the gospel. And with the whosoever of the gospel, we again bear a tremendous responsibility. What are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with the message of the gospel that Jesus died to save whosoever will? Number one, we have to come to a place, as we heard in the Sunday school lesson in here this morning, where there's an absolute recognition that I'm lost. Without God, I'm lost. Without forgiveness, I, 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 I can't be saved. I need to be forgiven. There comes repentance and an acknowledgement of one's sin. That's the, the privilege of hearing the gospel. Aren't you glad you heard it? And responded to it. We're privileged to know the way. The hour in life is urgent. It really is. We live in an urgent time. And if you're not in victory now, please don't delay in responding to the privileges of God's grace and the the message of salvation that He offers to us today. The offer of grace. God's still privileging us today. Israel was blessed. They were privileged. We're privileged And God expects much from the privileged. He expects much from the favored. The statement Amos made concerning privilege and responsibility followed a sermon he delivered as recorded in the first two chapters of Amos, of his book. He had listed six of Israel's neighbors. There's Damascus and Gaza and Tyre and Edom and Ammon and Moab. He outlined the characteristic sin of each, and then he warned of divine judgment. You are who you are, but here are your flaws. Here's the problems. Here's what God needs to have addressed in your life. Then next he turned to Judah with a similar message. And Just as Israel was basking in the sunlight of their superiority, Amos warned the northern kingdom, though they were more prosperous They were no better than Judah or the surrounding countries. Judgment was certain because she abused her privileges. Whether Amos began a new sermon here in the third chapter or completed the same one, we, we have no way of knowing or is it really that important? But we can be sure, however, that what he said about the peril and the price of privilege, the privileges that we have today, applies both to Israel... And to Judah, God redeemed all twelve tribes from bondage. The entire country, though now a divided kingdom, had received blessings from generation to generation. Therefore, God must deal with the two kingdoms based on how they use the good things that have been given to them. And so we are today. However, God has Allowed it all to transpire, we are responsible for what we've been privileged with. Amen. We're responsible for it. All that we are and all that we ever hope to be, we owe to God. Children who are reared in homes of unusual opportunity, they can have even higher, a higher sense of responsibility. They've gained that much more insight through the years of their parents bringing them up in in an atmosphere, in a setting where they've heard more and they understand more. Those who have good jobs and a comfortable living standard must recognize God's hand on them. What we have, God has given to us. And so shallow and superficial people tend to abuse privileges, but mature people and people who have been spiritually awakened and and, and come to to bear with the blessings of life that they've been given and the faithfulness of God in their life, have to recognize the importance of staying humble and staying true to God and serve Him to the best of their ability. All that we are, all that we ever hope to be, we owe to God. And so I would go to my next thought of this message and that is simply this. How have you handled... Your privileges. What have you done with what God has brought to bear in your life? That's something really good for all of us to think about. All the blessings that God's given to me, all that I've been exposed to down through the years, what am I I doing with what I know that I need to do? How am I honoring God? Everyone listening to this message can honestly say, God has been good to me. Amen. All of us can honestly say, God has been good to me, He's been better to me than I deserve. I'm not worthy of that, with how good God has been to me. And now the penetrating questions are, well, how far along the line of maturity have I come? What have I done with all that God has blessed me with? What is the depth of my spiritual journey with Christ? Are the habits that hurt and even destroy still a part of your lifestyle? Do you cling to things or do you let things cling to you? Important things for us to ask Things that keep you from being all that you should be and attaining all that God wants you to have. Are you carefully walking in all the light that God has faithfully shed on your pathway? You know, it's a wonderful thing to be able to come to the place where you can say, if I know my heart, if I know my mind, if I know my conscience, all is clear. I'm doing my best to do and to be all that God would have me to be. There's no light that I put behind me and pushed it aside. I'm walking in the light that he's given me, the understanding, the insights that he's given to me as far as I know. What, have, what am I doing? I'm responsible for what I have gained insights into. I'm responsible for the light that I have. I'm responsible for the privileges that God has given to me. What am I doing with it? Most people somewhere in their life cycle, life cycle they, they have a wake-up call, or quite often they, they, they at least wake up to spiritual matters or wake up to the matter of life's meaning. The tragedy is that so many wait until the opportunity for a full life has slipped away. That is is so sad when an individual has just, they've just wasted years, wasted years, been privileged but haven't done anything with it. And all at once, they wake up. Thank God they wake up. And thank God for the last minute opportunities that God and His faithfulness has given to the multitudes to find Him and to find real peace and joy in their heart, but also sad when they've waited until the waning days of their life to have done it. Marie Antoinette, wife of Louis XVI, remained a silly, privileged girl for too long. When the French Revolution broke and her world collapsed, she faced calamity, she faced death. And at that time, she matured quickly and turned into a brave, strong woman. The tragedy is that, as one of her biographers said, she played with life and never wrestled with it. That's a key thought. She played with life and never wrestled with it. Never really got serious about her journey. Another writer said one wonders what would have happened in history if Marie Antoinette had faced her trouble sooner and become this woman now before it was too late. Often when we waste a year in our youth, it takes three or four years to gain it back. It's a tendency of things when they're not used to lose. And so I ask us again this morning, Where are you on this journey? With the privileges that you have, you bear responsibility. What are you doing with it? How have you handled your privileges? When a farmer fails to go out in March and April with his plow and break the ground or whatever he does to get the crops going, if he doesn't do that, if he just sits on it, why, pretty soon he's going to be broke. He's going to be hungry. He's not going to have a product to sell or, or food to eat because he didn't tend to things. And now winter is coming. The Bible speaks of a pool being stirred by an angel and the need for an individual to step into the pool at the troubling of the waters in order for the healing to become, for the cure to happen. And you know, with some opportunities that God gives us. It's now or never. Sometimes individuals come to that point where it's now or never. If I'm going to make the break, if I'm going to give God a chance, if I'm going to turn God's direction, I can't waste another day. I can't waste another breath. It's now. I must turn to Him. He's privileged me. And I bear responsibility to let Him do the work in my heart. When we abuse our privilege or fail to use it, tragedy results. And of course, the, great, the greatest tragedy is that of failing to receive the Savior. When we're privileged to hear the gospel. Years ago, an advocate for foreign missions said that no person had the right to hear the gospel twice without everyone having heard it Once. I wouldn't be capable of being able to go back and document all the times I've heard the gospel. And I doubt you would be either, the vast majority of us. We've been privileged. Now what are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? Amos was trying to wake the people up, to stir them to repentance, to bring them to that point of doing something with the faithfulness of God that had been in their life John Greenleaf Whittier wisely asked, Forever around the mercy seat the guiding lights of love shall burn. But what if, habit-bound thy feet, shall lack the will to turn? What if thine eyes refuse to see, thine ear of heaven's free welcome fail, and thou, a willing captive, be thyself, thy own dark?" jail. Privilege means responsibility. And I believe wise people take advantage of the opportunities of their lifetime during the lifetime of their opportunities. And it's been a lifetime of opportunities. God is so good. He's been so good. Now would be a good time to address your responsibilities, what God has been speaking to you about, what He's been dealing with you about in your life. As we pause and think about this as God, the Holy Spirit has zeroed it, it in to your heart and to your mind, I want us to respond I hope that within is that eternal yes that we've talked about. That forever yes, Lord. I'm sorry I've been weak in this area. I'm sorry I've I've not tended to that like I should. It's yes. It's yes. If there's someone here this morning who has not said yes to Jesus yet, You've not come to him in repentance, asking his forgiveness for a life of sin. This is your golden opportunity, your wonderful opportunity to bow in prayer and to seek his forgiveness. He will abundantly pardon. He has a way of restoring and renewing and salvaging When we maybe have wasted our life and bring to Him the wreck and the ruin and the broken pieces, He has a way of being able to put it back together again. What it takes is us taking responsibility. Lord, this is what I need. I come to you now. I come to you humbly. I come to you confidently that according to your word, if I ask, you will forgive. If I ask of you, I will receive from you. Hallelujah. And so I come asking, I come knocking, I come seeking, I come yearning and longing for what you want to do in my life, even today. Let's bow our heads in prayer. If you have a need and want to come to this altar I know there would be a group of us would love to spend time praying with you this morning that you might gain the victory even now. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your precious word. We thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the way you come and apply truths into our lives. All of us have a history. There are things that our mind reminds us of today. We... We draw on remembrances and experiences that we've had. The things we've taken advantage of to our good and the things that we've maybe taken advantage of to our, to our not so good, to our own detriment. And perhaps the things that we've just simply neglected. That we come to you today realizing that you brought it to mind and you're being faithful to us, you're speaking to us and giving us another opportunity in this age of grace and mercy to be able to make the wrong right, to see by the power of God our life turned around and to go another direction from this point forward. Thank you for the impact of your presence, the impact of your word, To our minds, I pray that it will find lodging in our heart in good soil and bring forth a harvest for your glory and honor and for the good of each listener. Thank you for the faithfulness of the prophet Amos. And we pray as we go from here that each of us will be faithful to you. Anyone else want to join us? At this altar this morning, one has come. Others are welcome to join Norris here. Whatever your burden, whatever your need, God encourages us to bring it to the altar. And he'll meet the need. Praise his name. Thank God for his presence this morning. God richly bless you, each one. You're dismissed.